Well, good morning, church. Good morning, Cody. I love sitting next to Cody. If you get a chance, you should do so during worship because the boy can sing and he likes to worship. So I'm so glad that you're here, Cody, and everyone else. I'm so glad to see you. I hope that you had a good week and, uh, and I hope that you had fun with Love Week. And so anyone have fun doing Love Week? Yeah. All right, a few of you did. Good. Well, welcome to week four of our series called Love Comes to Town. And we've been talking about how we are going to up our love game and become better at loving God and loving others. And so before we jump in the message, though, I want to say a couple things, a couple words of thanks for uh, a lot of things. First of all, I want to thank everyone to help me move in on uh, Friday. So if you help me move in on Friday, thank you so much. Or Thursday. Sorry, it was Thursday. Thank you guys that helped us, and uh, we're so grateful. We're finally in our house after, I think, two months, and so it felt good to sleep in my own bed, and uh, so I was grateful for that. So thank you for everyone that did that, but I also want to say thank you to everyone that participated in Love Week, and, uh, and whether you know it or not, we had an amazing and awesome week. We had tons of people, and uh, we fed tons of people, including our healthcare workers, uh, including our educators and first responders. Um, we fed well over 150 people uh, this week during Love Week. And let me just tell you, every one of them said thank you so much. And uh, we're so appreciative. We got to see some posts on Facebook. And, uh, and just uh, what an impact. Just a cookie or a muffin or a dinner, uh, a pizza party. Uh, we went to um, one of the nursing homes. We went to the one in Prestonsburg. And, uh, and uh, Brian Griffith was telling us when he walked in with a, with a stack of pieces, they're like, who's that for? And they're like, well, it's for you guys. It's for the workers. And they were so shocked. And they're like, oh, that's so kind. Nobody's done that for us. And so, uh, so it was just an awesome week of feeding people. Uh, we also collected a ton of canned goods. And uh, you can see those out in the welcome area. And so those uh, canned goods are going to go, um, part of them are going to go to spring and helping out and feeding uh, one part of Floyd County. And the other half is going to go to um, a, a food pantry right here. And so we're going to help out feed, uh, feed that part of the county. So we did a great job. Thank you for bringing in canned goods if you did. If you forgot or maybe you want to do it, it's not too late. You can go and bring some Wednesday again, and we'll just collect them throughout the rest of this week. And uh, so we want to just make sure that we continue to help folks that are hungry. Uh, we also took time yesterday to clean up God's creation on the trails at Sugar Camp. And uh, so we had about 17 folks uh, show up. And we just took to the trails and cleaned off brush and, and trash and different things. And uh, what a great time it was outside to be outside and just to be reminded of all that God created. Um, we also uh, blessed the residents at two nursing homes. And our children made homemade Valentine's cards. And uh, one of the nursing homes posted pictures of a couple of their residents holding their Valentine's card. And let me just tell you the smile that was on their faces as they were blessed just to be reminded that someone loves them. Because a lot of times in nursing homes, they never see anyone, and they never hear the words, I love you. And so what a great opportunity it was for us to bless the residents, our student, our, our kids ministry did a great job doing that. And then the best part of, the, of it all is this, that some of you took it upon yourselves to love on people around you. And uh, so I just want to brag on a few that I know of. Um, so Steve and Sarika, um, they did a really cool thing. They uh, had a community dinner. And they invited their old neighborhood, they invited everyone from their neighborhood to come on over to their house, and they had chili, 
and they had sandwiches, and they had pop, and, uh, and everyone was welcome to come and just have dinner with them, and I thought that was a great idea. Um, Norma and Jean, Norma shared with me that she uh, cooked for five of her neighbors, and uh, just what a blessing that was to, to bless the people that live around her. Um, Brian Akers shared that he had blessed his postal workers and garbage workers with a little uh, note and a little gift card just to bless them. And so lots of people did lots of really neat things to love on their neighbors. And so I think that's really cool. And I want you to know that that's what this is all about. Like just because love week is over and has ended uh, doesn't mean that you stop up in your love game and stop loving on your neighbors. So find ways every week, maybe just find one way every week to love on your neighbors in some different kind of way. Maybe it is that you just buy them a cup of coffee. Maybe you're in the drive through line and you got an extra 10 bucks and you want to buy the person behind you uh, their lunch as well. Whatever it is, think of ways that you can be a blessing to people around you. And today, we're going to continue our conversation about loving others. And we're going to be talking about today how to have conflict with somebody that you love. Like how to have conflict with somebody that you love. Now, a lot of you might be saying, well, that's pretty easy. I have conflict with people I love all the time. Like I'm a pro at that. I get that. But I want us to talk about today is how do you have loving conflict with those who are close to us without blowing up your relationship, right? Like I want to talk about how can you do it without damaging your relationship? How can you have loving conflict without destroying your relationship? And you see, when things aren't right, in your relationships, maybe it's a friend or a family member who's gone out of bounds, how do, you, how do you confront them in a loving way? When someone that you care about, when someone that is close to you strays off the, the main path, when someone that you love and care about, uh, when, they, when they start getting sideways, how do we confront them in a loving way that's not going to blow up the relationship? That's what we want to talk about today. And another way to say this maybe is how do we speak the truth in love. How do we speak the truth in love? How do we speak the truth in a way that deepens the relationship without destroying the relationship? And so this is a skill that none of us are very good at because it doesn't come natural for us. And let me just say that it requires preparation, that it requires practice, and it requires maturity on our parts to have these hard conversations with people that we love and care about without destroying the relationship. But the good news is, is that the Bible has a few helpful hints that the Bible will lead us and guide us in having these confrontational conversations in a way that is full of love. And so our passage this morning, if you have your Bibles, comes from Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at just at verse 15, and then we're going to look at some other verses in 1 Corinthians. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says this. It says, we will speak, actually, you know what? Let's read it together. Let's just read this out loud together. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So Paul is reminding us that we are to speak the truth in love. Like if you leave here not remembering anything else, I hope that you'll remember that simple sentence, that we are to speak the truth in love. Now it's easy to say, and it's really hard to do, because most of us have never ever learned how to do this. And because none of us are like Jesus, who was a pro at speaking the truth in love. But like I said, the good news is, 
that the Bible shares with us or gives us some insight on how to speak the truth in love. And as followers of Jesus, we will find in relationships that Jesus had that he never, um, he either, he did one of three things. He either avoided conflict or he resolved conflict or sometimes Jesus even created conflict. And so in, in your life and mine, all three of these responses will be appropriate at one time or another. And sometimes you and I, we need to avoid conflict. But sometimes we need to resolve it. And then sometimes we even need to create conflict. Because if you truly love someone, there's going to be this moment when you just can't tell them what they want to hear. You need to share some hard to hear truth with them. Now, we often misunderstand this because we think as Christians, if you're a Christian, if you said yes to Jesus, we often think that, well, I'm supposed to be a peacemaker, right? Like I'm supposed to be the one that's always creating peace. And so we often misunderstand that to say that we avoid confrontation always at all costs. But that's not what a peacemaker is. And that's not what a peacemaker does. We hide our hurts, though. We often stuff down our feelings or we look past those awkward situations and those problems in our lives and in the lives of those that we care about, all in the name of being a peacemaker. However, the Bible says that suppressing the truth rather than speaking the truth in love, well, it often causes trouble. And the problem is, how do we do this? How do we have conversations? How do we speak the truth in love? without blowing up our relationships. And we say honesty, oftentimes we'll say, well, honesty is the best policy. And some of you are some really honest people out there, right? And you're not afraid to go by that. Well, honesty is the best policy. But reality is, there's a lot of times in life when you don't even think that honesty is a good idea. We often say things like, well, if I told my dad the truth, he might never speak to me again. Or if I told my husband or my wife how I really feel about our marriage, they might leave me or the marriage might blow up. Or if I spoke the truth to my boss and I told her that what I think we are doing is unethical, well, she might fire me. Or if I confronted my friend and I told him that he needs to, uh, that he needs to get help, that he may never, ever speak to me again. Listen, I want you to hear this, that love is not always easy, right? Love is not always easy. It's not always fun. And sometimes it requires courage on our behalf. In fact, sometimes love requires confrontation. Now, I know many of you out there, you don't like confrontation and you run from confrontation. But I want you to know that sometimes if you really love someone, if you really care about a relationship, sometimes it requires confronting them. Now, the past few weeks, we've talked about some of the obvious things about love. We've said things like love is patient, and we've reminded ourselves that love is kind. But today, we're going to take love to a whole new level. And if we're going to mature in our love, we're going to have to put Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, into practice. We're going to have to get in the habit of speaking the truth in love, and we're going to have to get in the habit of doing it in a way that doesn't repel or push people away. You see, we, the church, 
As Ephesians chapter 4, 15 says, we the church will need to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Now, what does that mean? That just means that we're going to grow, we're going to mature in our faith. That every time we have a conversation, every time we speak the truth in love, that we are growing in our faith, we're maturing our faith. In Christ, though, to be more like Christ, who Paul says is the leader or the head of the body called the church. And we're not good at this. We're not good at this because we've never been taught how to do it. Fortunately, we have these two really cool models. We have Jesus, and then we have this really amazing guy, too, called Paul. And Paul is particularly good at this. And we see uh, evidence of Paul living out this idea of speaking the truth in love in the letters that he wrote in the Bible. Most of the New Testament he wrote, and some of the letters that he wrote to the churches that he started were hard letters. They were letters where he spoke the truth in love, and particularly um, two letters in, in particular were the first and second Corinthians. And, and Corinth was a great city. It was a city in Greece, uh, and Paul had planted a church there. But after he uh, moved on to start other churches, because Paul didn't hang around a church for very long, he started it, he got some leaders in there, and then he said, hey, you guys go and do that thing. I'm going to go start a new thing. And he would go to the next town and he would plant another church. But as he's looking back at First as he's looking back at Corinth, he has some things that he's like, you know what? The church has kind of gotten sideways. Some people in the church have gone off the rails. And so he had to write some tough letters to the church in love because it was falling apart. They had some major problems. And so Paul gets brutally honest with them. And, and he's dealing with one issue after another. In 1 Corinthians especially, it's like one hard issue after another. But he's always speaking the truth to them in love. And out of these letters, out of 1 Corinthians uh, particularly, we're going to find out or we're going to learn the steps today to speaking the truth in love. And I want to encourage you to take notes today. There's, there's four steps, and I want you to know them. And I want you to be able, I want to equip you today to be able to have those hard conversations where you learn to speak the truth in love. And I believe that if you will follow these steps uh, to loving conflict, it will build stronger relationships in your life. Like it could be the game changer for your marriage, or it could be the game changer for your relationship with your best friend, or it could be a game changer with the relationship with your boss if you will learn to speak the truth in love. And this isn't my opinion. Uh, I want to share with you what Paul shares with us in the Bible about how to speak the truth in love. And the first thing that you need to do is this. When you're about to have a hard conversation, the very first step before you do anything else, you need to check your motivation. You need to check your motivation. Why are you doing this? What's your motivation? Do you have, you need to ask yourself, do I have a pure heart in this? Are there any selfish motives in about what, what I'm about to say? Like I'm about to have this conversation that I'm gonna speak the truth in love. I'm gonna have some conflict, but what's my motivation? So you gotta ask yourself, why do I need to talk about this issue? Now, obviously, there's some bad motivations for confronting someone. You're jealous. You're mad at them. You're frustrated with them. And you're like, I need to speak the truth. And you're about to like unload both guns on them. 
and you blow off steam and you end up wrecking that relationship. Now, some of you may have already done that. You're like, oh, I've been there, done that. Like you've, you've unloaded both barrels on somebody. You've, you've, you've gone Rambo on them is what I call it. And, and you've done that and you've wrecked a relationship. So you always got to begin by asking yourself, what's my motivation? And there's all sorts of twisted motivations out there for confronting someone. And so I just want to encourage you that when you are about to speak the truth in love, I want you to do it for the right reasons. And there's really only one right reason to speak the truth in love. And it's to help that person to grow. It's to help that person to mature. It's to help that person become the best version of themselves. It's not ever, ever to make you feel better. Never should your motivation be, I just need to get this off my chest. That should never be the motivation to speak the truth in love. It should never be about you. It should always be about making the other person better. And we see this in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He just dropped the truth bomb by letting them know that, everyone, that, that, that everything is out of whack in the church. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, after, two letter, after a letter and a half, here's what he says. He says this. He says, perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants and with God as our witnesses. And check this out. This is the important part. Everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. Everything we do is for you. Every word we said is so that you might become better. Everything that we did, speaking the truth in love, it's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's not to defend our lives, but it's to strengthen you. And Paul's telling them, here's my motivation for why I wrote these letters. It's because I love you. It's because I care about you. Because I want to see you become the best that you can possibly become. Paul's like, I'm not doing this for my benefit. I'm saying it for your benefit. I want to build you up. And this is to help you, and it's not about me. You see, over the years, I've had some people in my life who have had to speak truth and love to me. And I didn't always want to hear it. Like, I can remember some conversations. And I can remember, especially uh, one person in particular I've shared with you. His name's Larry. He's been, like, he stepped in when my dad was uh, taken away. And there were some conversations sitting at Starbucks. And, and, there, and he's like, you're not like hearing this, do you? And I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, well, I only share it with you because I love you. And so I've had to have some people, when I was coloring outside the lines, they drew me back in. When I, was, when I was straying off the trail, they would bring me back. When life was getting sideways, they would say, hey, I'm just sharing this with you because I care about you and I want the best for you. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. In other words, an enemy only tells you what you want to hear, right? Like we don't need another friend who just is going to tell us what we want to hear, but we naturally go to those friends that are going to tell us what we want to hear when we have to make a decision, don't we? Like we go to the people that we know are going to say, yeah, I think you should do that. And when they're not thinking about us, they just don't want to, they don't want to hurt our feelings. So we need to have some people in our lives that are going to speak the truth in love. And there have to be people in our lives that we know their motivation is always about us and never about them. You see, a true, fan, true friend loves you enough 
to speak the truth. It's a sign of deep love and commitment that they care about you and they want to tell you the truth even when it hurts. See, I know that I can go to Larry even today and I could come up with some great scheme. I could come up with some great idea that I, that he, that he, and he would know that it's going to hurt me and he would speak the truth in love and he would say, Rick, I think that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Or he'll look at me and say, Rick, you know that that's not the way to go. Because he's never afraid to speak the truth to me and love. And I know him well enough to know that his motivations are always pure. Now listen, speaking the truth in love is not the same as having the gift of criticism. It's not. Like it's not the same and some of us have the gift of criticism. And it doesn't mean that you go around and you point out everyone's flaws But if you have a committed relationship with this person, if you have a trusting relationship with them, God says that you have an obligation to gently and humbly point out the things that would be for their better. And so I want you to know that if you don't have a relationship with that person, don't feel like you're obliged to speak the truth and love to them. You don't point out the flaws at the the clerk that is being a jerk to you but you invest in someone that you have a relationship with. And so when you're speaking the truth in love, don't speak the truth to just anyone. You speak it to people that you are in relationship with. So if you don't have a relationship with them, don't do it. Point out uh, the flaws or or point out what people need help to people that you're in relationship with. So first, you're gonna check your motivation and uh, you're gonna ask yourself, if I bring this up to them, who is getting the benefit? Am I truly saying it for their benefit or am I saying it for my own? So check your motivation. The second thing you can do is you're going to plan your conversation. This is something we're horrible at, but we need to plan our conversations. You actually take time to pause. You've already checked your motivation, and now you begin to think and plan ahead about what you're going to say before you say it. If my dad told me once, he told me a million times when I was growing up, Rick, If you would just think before you speak, you wouldn't be in half as much trouble as you're in right now. And so we have to learn to think before we speak. Proverbs 16.23 says this. It says, intelligent people, we're intelligent people, right? Intelligent people think before they speak. What they say then is more persuasive. If you want to make an impact in the words that you're going to use, if you want to speak the truth in love in a way that doesn't blow up your relationships, then think about what you're going to say before you say it. Plan your conversation. Make sure that you give careful thought before speaking truth into someone. Paul did this, and we see evidence of this in his letter to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he says this, He says, I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Paul's saying this. He's like, I have some really tough things that I need to email you, but I don't just sit down and start wailing on you and then hit send. This was not an impulsive letter. I took time. I anguished over it. I I broke, I shed tears over it. I was in great distress as I was writing this letter that this was not something impulsive. This was something that I thought and thought and thought about. I thought it through. 
And, and I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that, that how dangerous an impulsive email or text can be? Like, man, we get on, or Facebook post, like you're sitting there and you're like, you're hammering on the keyboard and you're like, oh, I'm going to let so-and-so know what I think about them and da-da-da-da and you're, and you're doing it. And then you hit send. And then immediately after you hit send, you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have sent that. Or there are so many people, you're texting, your thumbs are going at it in mile a minute, and you're like, I'm going to let them know I'm writing all caps, right? Like, you do that. I'm writing in all caps, and I'm putting five exclamation points after it. I'm going to let them know how I feel, and you hit send. Or maybe you, you sit there, and you are on Facebook, and you're like, I'm just going to let everyone know how I feel. Like, on Facebook, it drives me nuts when people do that. They're like, I'm just going to let everyone know. I'm going to unload on my entire family in a Facebook post, and da, 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 and you're doing it again, all caps. All, now you're like bold in all caps, and you're just doing it, and you're letting everyone know how you feel. And then you put a little gif in there, right? Like a little gif or gif or however you say it. And you put that in there, that little picture, like a little mad guy with his head blowing up. And you're like, see, I'm just going to make my point. And you're like, I'm going to let them know how I feel. But you know what? Oftentimes when we do that, we immediately, I hope you do, immediately regret hitting send. That's not what Paul did in his letter to the Corinthians. He sat down. He agonized over this letter. He dreaded it. He wept over it. And that's how much he cared about his church people. And so when we have a loving conversation, or when you, when you have a loving conversation with your spouse, or maybe you need to have a loving conversation with your kids or your parents or a close friend, let me just encourage you to plan your conversation out Think about what you're going to say. Just don't go in there willy-nilly. Don't go in there and say, I'll figure it out when I get in the room. No, plan your conversation out. And, and timing is everything, right? Like it is. It's like we say location, 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 but it's timing, timing, timing. And timing is everything. You don't want to bring up a sensitive subject right when your spouse walks in the door from work. Like as soon as they walk in the door, before they even sit down their stuff, you're like, listen, we got to have a conversation. Like, that's never the right time to do it. Or when they're tired, or when they're under pressure, or when they're in a hurry. You got to ask yourself, when's going to be the best time for them and for us to have a conversation? When are they going to be the most rested? When are they going to be ready to hear it? And so first you plan what you say, and then you plan when you're going to say it. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 says, the right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. In other words, how you introduce a sen sensitive subject will determine how it's going to be received. If they're in a hurry and they're like, hey, I got five minutes, like your boss, he's like, hey, can I talk to you? I got five minutes. Maybe it's going to take more than five minutes, so maybe that's not the right time to have the conversation. Or maybe when your spouse is getting ready to walk out the door, that's never a good time to have the conversation. So you never start your conversation either. So just listen, if you're married, here's one for you. Never start the conversation this way with your spouse. Man, this house is a wreck. Like the roaches are storming the family room and the ants are squatting in our pantry. Like we gotta, this place is a mess. That's never the way to start the conversation. I mean, I'll just tell you, and I, I like sarcasm, but it never works for me when I'm having a deep conversation. And so you gotta get, you gotta choose the right words at the right time, and you got to use the right tone, don't you? 
Like, let me just tell you, body language speaks louder than words. And so if you're like, hey, we've got to have a conversation right now, and you're like, that's not going to work. Like, they're going to tune you out. They're going to get defensive. They're going to be like, oh, here we go again. And so you have to find the right place at the right time with the right tone. And you got to say it lovingly, and you got to say it gently, and you got to say it quietly. Like, let me just challenge you. There's some screamers in here. I know there are. I mean, there's just chances are. There's some screamers in here. And screaming never works. Like, just say, you know what? I've got to have this conversation. Don't poke anyone. Don't do that. But let me just tell you that if you're a screamer, let me just say, next time you've got to have a hard conversation, try this. Just try to bring your tone down. Like, intentionally say, you know what? I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm going to speak in my inside voice. That's what we tell our kids. We're going to speak in our inside voice. And so you may need to put even a disclaimer on it. When you're about to have that hard conversation, you may have to say something like, I may be wrong. That's always good to start that way. It's okay, man. You can admit it. I may be wrong, but when I see you do this or when I see that happen, or maybe you need to start with this way. I may be totally off base on this. I may not have all the facts, but here's what I'm noticing. So maybe you need to put a little disclaimer in there. But here's the deal. Whatever you do, whatever you do, in the, middle, in the beginning of the conversation, be humble. Be humble. Do it with humility. Don't act like the expert who is coming in to drop a little truth on someone. Right? Don't go in and drop the mic, you know, yell at them and then drop the mic and walk out the room. You're not the authority. You're not the expert. You simply want to say it in a humble and loving way. And Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. He says this. He says, I'm writing these things not to shame you. He's not writing these things because he's like the expert and the know-it-all. He's saying, I'm not writing these things just to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. He's like, listen, I don't know everything, but here's what I do know, and I know that this is out of whack. And because I love you, I want to see you get back into the lane that you need to be in. And so like Paul, we got to enter these hard conversations with humility, not acting like an expert. We don't need to scream and yell, but we need to lower our voices and we need to pick the right time because, um, because when we love someone and care for someone, we want to speak the truth in love in a way that doesn't blow it up. So check your motivation. Also plan your presentation and then wrap it in affirmation. Can we say Affirmation. All right, good. Wrap it in affirmation because the truth often stings, right? And so you have to wrap it in positive affirmation. You must begin and end with something positive. It's kind of like, I call it like a truth sandwich, that when you're sharing something hard for some, that someone's going to have a hard time hearing it, um, you got to affirm three things, okay? Here they are, that you deeply love them, right? Like that's the first thing. You, you, you share with them that you deeply love them and you care about them that you've prayed for them. Like, that's one of the things that we can do. We can pray for them. Say, hey, you know what? I've been praying about this. I've been praying about this all day. I've been praying about this all week. I really think that, and I love you, and so I want to share this with you. And then you got you to believe that they're going to change. you got to believe that they're going to change, that they can change. And you begin and end with affirmation. Paul does this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, he begins this whole thing by saying these words, I always thank God for you. What Paul's saying is, I love you, I care about you, I've been praying for you, I've been telling God how grateful I am for you, I'm always talking to God about you. 
And then there's always um, these extremely hard words over there. As you read on in the next 12 chapters of 1 Corinthians, there's these hard words. And he speaks the truth in love, but he speaks some hard, harsh words. And then he ends up in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 24, and he says, my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. He begins talking about, you know what, I love you guys, I talk about you all the time, and then he ends this hard conversation with, listen, I love you all in Christ Jesus, you and I, we're together in this, and I love you. And so it's like a, a truth sandwich. There's a positive affirmation followed by hard truth, and then followed up by another positive affirmation. And so we must learn how to give affirmation. And that takes practice, and we're not always good at it. And some of us really stink at it. And, uh, and we need to learn how to affirm people. That when we're going to speak the truth in love, let's throw in some affirming words. And, and often it's a good time to start with it and to end with it. And then there's the final step. And here's what it is. got to be willing to risk their rejection. You know, sometimes when we speak the truth in love, we're going to get rejected. We're going to experience rejection because we can't control how the other person takes the, the, the words that we're speaking. They may not hear it. They may not receive it. But if you're going to say it, you're going to say it anyways. You're going to speak the truth in love knowing that they may reject it. And this is hard. This is so hard because none of us want to experience rejection. We don't like being on that end. We don't like to receive rejection. But it's critical that we don't allow that fear of rejection to hinder us from speaking the truth in love. So you need to have the courage to risk their rejection. Paul does this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 and 11. I want to read the message version. It says, I know I distressed you greatly by my letter. He's like, check it out. I know that I said some hard things. I know that I said some harsh things. He goes, but although I felt awful at the time, I don't feel bad now because I see how it turned out. This letter upset you, but only for a while. And you were jarred into turning things around. You let the distress bring you to God. And that's what I was hoping for in the first place as I wrote this letter. And so Paul's telling him, you know, I know, I knew that there was this chance that you would reject what I was about to say. And, and I hated writing this letter, but I took the risk. I took the risk of rejection. He's like, and now I don't feel as bad about it because of the way it turned out. Yes, it upset you, but only for a time because it caused you to get closer to God. It caused you to go near, to get near, draw near to God, and it changed you. And so I'm glad that I wrote this letter. I'm glad I had this hard conversation. And church, let me just say, it's scary. It's really scary to speak the truth in love because you don't know how the other person is going to react, and you don't want to risk rejection. And so often we hide our feelings. And so often we stuff our emotions down because we're afraid of how the other person will react. And because we don't want to take the risk, here's what we do. We settle. We settle for shallow and surface level relationships. Or we settle for relationships that aren't healthy. And we're like, you know what? This is just the way it is. I'm going to live in this unhealthy relationship. You know, Jen and I, we did this in the beginning of our relationship. We hid our feelings. 
We swept them under the rug. We ignored the issues until one day it all blew up. It all blew up. And we had to learn how to speak the truth in love to one another. And so you have to be willing, church. You have to be willing to risk rejection. And why? Because you love that person too much to ignore it. You care about that relationship too much to ignore it. And so loving conflict takes extraordinary courage. And so if we remain silent in our relationships, guess what? We're just killing our relationships. We're killing them. So your one thing this week, the one thing that I want to challenge you to do is to answer this question. I just want you to answer this one simple question. Who do I need to have an honest conversation with this week? Like who, what relationship have I been sweeping my emotions under the rug? What relationship have I not had the courage to speak the truth in love? What relationship is it in my world that I'm too afraid to speak truth in love because I'm afraid they'll reject me? Is there someone in your life maybe that's falling apart that needs someone to speak the truth and love to them? Is there someone in your life that needs to hear some truth and love? I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but here's the deal. If you love them, you'll have the hard conversation with them. If you love them, you'll have the hard conversation with them. It's going to take courage. It's going to take discernment. It's going to take the leading of the Holy Spirit. But let me just say to you that you may be the only person that ever shows love to that person. Love them enough to speak the truth to them. So maybe there's someone in your life that their life has gotten sideways. They're way off the rails. They have left the trail. They need you to have the courage and the boldness to speak the truth to them in love. You see, our world says, let everyone do what they want. Let everybody do what they want. If they end up addicted, if they end up broken down in their lives, if they end up in a dead-end relationship, so be it. Let them do it. But what if God wants to use you? What if God wants to use you to change a life? This truth. Remember, ask yourself the question, what's my motivation? Plan your conversation out. Man, if you're still not sure, ask someone. Say, hey, I'm about to have this hard conversation. What do you think about this? Then wrap it in affirmation. And then be willing to take the risk. See, we need to be a church. If we're going to love differently, if we're going to be real, we need to be a church that's willing to speak the truth and love to one another. Listen, I've been a part of some dysfunctional churches. I've been a part of some churches where they just speak behind each other's back. Never to each other, but always behind each other's back stabbing them, talking about them, but never talking to them. I 
that's not the kind of church Warehouse Church is. If we're going to love differently, we're going to need to be a highly functional church that says, you know what? Here we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to always ask, what's our motivation? We're going to plan our conversation out. We're going to use words of affirmation. We're going to use words of affirmation. We're going to speak the truth in love no matter what the cost. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the Apostle Paul. And God, for the many, many examples that he gives us in living the Christian life. Father, it's hard. God, it's hard to live the Christian life. Jesus said it would never be easy. As a matter of fact, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Hey, you might want to consider the cost of following me. Because it's hard. It's difficult. You're going to have to have hard conversations. You're going to have to speak the truth in love if you're going to follow me. So Lord, I pray today that I'm positive that there's some hard conversations that need to be had in this room. Lord, I bet there's some relationships that need to be mended. I bet you there's some dysfunctional relationships where someone is just sweeping their emotions under the rug, ignoring them in the name of a peacemaker. Father, I pray that we would be able to learn how to speak your truth in love. Lord, that our motivation would never be about us, but it'd always be about bettering the person on the other side of the conversation. Lord, help us to be better at planning our conversations. Lord, help us be better at affirming our conversations. Lord, give us the courage to take the chance to have the conversation. Lord, if there's someone in this room today, Lord, that has never said yes to you, Father, maybe the truth that they they need to hear today is that you love them. And God, that you desire a relationship with each and every person in this room. So Lord, if there's someone here that has never said yes to you, maybe that's their first step that they take today they say yes to you, that they surrender their lives to you, they say, Jesus, I believe in my heart, and I confess it with my mouth, that you are my Lord, and you are my Savior. Come and rescue me so that I might live life for you. If that's you today, I just encourage you just to pray just to ask God, invite God to be a part of your life. Say, you know what, I admit I have been a failure. I have tried to live my life without God. It has been a miserable failure. But I believe, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. So today I declare my allegiance to him and I say yes to Jesus. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us in the many ways that you do. while we sing our last song if you just need to come to the altar if you want to come to the altar I invite you to come to the altar maybe you just need to begin to pray right now God would you give me wisdom because I know I have a hard conversation coming up there's some people I need to speak the truth and love
maybe you're like, you know what? I know there's some conversations that need to be had and I need to receive some truth and love. Whatever it is, I just invite you to come spend some time with our, our Lord and Savior at the altar.